talkzone.com Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And welcome to the Two Guys in a Mic show on TalkZone.com. It's the coach of the Big Dog with you right up until 11 o'clock right off the bat. Big Dog, I have to tell you right off the bat, please do not tell me the score of Ivory Coast against Portugal. I am taping the game once again. Uh, well, I will tell you this, that Ronaldinho has not taken his shirt off yet, Coach. Really? Yeah. Well, then there's pretty much no reason to tape the game. Has anybody from the Ivory Coast taken their shirt off? More well, importantly. Well, they're not. Ronaldinho isn't in that game. Oh. I just want to let you know he hasn't taken <laughs> the shirt off yet, Coach. <laughs> Thank you very much. As we uh, break down the World Cup and then uh, briefly after that, we're just going to break down. We typically do that, what, about 25 minutes into the show, Big Dog? That's normally. Sometimes we break down a little bit earlier than that, sometimes a little bit later. I'd say on the average about 25 minutes into the show, the two of us uh, head downward. Would you say that's about the average? Yeah, I would have to say so. It, it, it's a little, We're used to doing a two-hour show. You would yeah. think this hour show would make it even easier, but I, we usually try to get off to a real quick start. It throws me off. Work. Throws me off. I think, you know, we, we got lulled into a false sense of security with the one hours. Two-hour show, we could pace ourselves and everything. The one-hour show, we thought it would be a piece of cake. And then, boom, you come in unprepared. David Olson, our producer, gets mad at us. 25 minutes into the show, we're stumbling, bumbling, and rumbling like a Keith Jackson fumble, California versus Stanford. Yeah, but I think Dave has lowered his expectations with us. So it's probably, yes. it's, yeah, he's, we, he's used to it by yeah, now. We are able to do that with different producers we work with. I don't know how many positives we have, but... In a backhanded sort of way, it is a positive. We are able to lower the expectations of our producers probably yeah, better. you got that right. Probably better than any other sports duo in the uh, Chicago area, Big Doug. Yeah, well, it, you know, we definitely can regroup after messing up because yes. we've done it enough. Yeah, I might add, you know, we're looking for side job, the two of us both, uh, to put it mildly, uh, currently looking for employment. If anybody needs to uh, have their expectations lowered. And you'd uh, like some consultants on lowering expectations, the big dog and the coach, readily available. Our fees are uh, more, more than reasonable. You can email us at Mike2GuysAOL.com. We are your expectation lowering specialists. Yeah, I can definitely <laughs> do that for pretty much anybody, coach. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Sad but true, big dog. Sad but true. But you get into the World Cup. I've been watching uh, a lot of the games I watched um, uh, this morning. New Zealand getting a goal with 30 seconds left in the match. It was actually in stoppage time to shock yeah. the uh, Slovakia team. Did you watch that? The Slovakia team, yeah. You know, uh, of course I was watching because one of my roommates, you know, he was born in the U.S., but uh, his parents were born in uh, Czechoslovakia, the okay. Slovakia part, because that was back before it was the Czech Republic and Slovakia. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's moved for Slovakia. Now I got a Mexican roommate. I've got an African-American roommate, and he roots for all the African teams, mm-hmm. okay? And I, I got a Korean roommate who really hates the North Korean side, okay, Russell, okay? And then, uh, I'm not kidding you, right now, <laughs> I have, in my backyard, I have an Italian guy working on my pool to open it up, okay? And then I got a bunch of Uruguayans that are pulling all the weed. I'm sorry, this, I have the World Cup going in my house right now. There's like 18 <laughs> different flags up in my house. 
and and me, you know, I'm, I have to root for the U.S. team because I'm half Irish, half Polish. Mm-hmm. And Thierry Henry in his handball knocked out the Irish team. That just makes me it just I, I just like saying Thierry Henry, coach. It's just it's <laughs> a lot of fun. And and the and so the Irish were knocked out. And the Polish this year, they just didn't have enough Africans on their uh-huh. team to make the World Cup. How is your pool guy and the lawn guys getting along? Because correct, I'm a little confused with all the different matches, but did not Italy. Your pool oh, no, guy? no, no, no. They tied the Paraguay. Oh, not Uruguay, but yeah. Paraguay. Yes. Uh, you know what? You're okay. exactly right. I don't think I don't think Uruguay I... actually made it. That's why these guys are so diligently working right now. Or else I... they'd probably <laughs> be having a siesta or something. I, like I got my guys mixed up. Uruguay, Paraguay. Is there any other guys I'm forgetting? Uh, I am not sure. I, I, there's just Uruguay and Paraguay. I don't mm-hmm. think there is another Guay. Why? I'm pretty sure. There's, there's uh, Guava. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Now I, I'm I'm expected to be served papers pretty soon by somebody uh, uh, <laughs> of the Portugal descent, so we'll see. All we'll right, see. enough of that. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. Our phone number. We'll be talking World Cup soccer. We'll be talking NBA basketball. Maybe the conclusion of the season tonight. We got baseball action to talk about. Cubs and Sox back in action. Lots of stuff off the board. We got a big uh, U.S. Open golf tournament coming up too. We also big dog. Not sure if you're aware or not, but David Olson is scheduled for us, a special guest today. Checking in around 1020, Bob Ibach, who was on with us maybe about three weeks ago with a commemorative Chicago Blackhawks hockey puck giveaway. Yeah, he was, he was there uh, about, he came on about a half hour after the Philadelphia Flyers clinched against the Montreal Canadiens. Okay. My memory is not that uh, specific, but I'll take your word for it. But he's coming back on today with that same product, and we're going to uh, give one of those fine pucks away. And I would say the Blackhawks. I bet you it's a new product. No, no, no. I think, you know. No, no, because he he gave us, it was a Philadelphia Flyer and a a, uh, Chicago Blackhawk, each one individual one. Okay. Uh, conference champions and finals thing. Oh, they're in the finals. I bet you this is something brand new. Just Chicago Blackhawk, the factor Stanley Cup champion. All right. I'm telling you, Bob Ibeck is quick like that, coach. But any one of our fine listeners, uh, will have a chance to win one of those. We will be giving one away and the others are available for purchase. And I remember Bob will describe it, but it goes to a great charitable cause. So the money spent for those, but, uh, Certainly that Blackhawk puck, a lot more valuable than it was uh, a couple of weeks ago, so that should be fun. Big Dog, do you have any ideas on what we should do, what kind of contest, giveaway, lottery, to pick one winner, one of our listeners, to get the commemorative puck? Any creative okay. ideas? Well, let me see. we got to have somebody call our show today, and when they call our show, they win the Stanley Cup commemorative puck from the Chicago Blackhawks. Let me see. What should they do in order to call up? Well, um, well we only have one to give away. Well, so it's got to be a contest to be a trivia question. Yeah, you could say like the fourth caller or the sixth caller. We could do a trivia question. We could do. Um... I'd rather do the the, the trivia question. I don't okay. want to have something to do with luck. All right. Well, you were uh, world famous. Well, not world famous, but uh, certainly well renowned in the Midwest for your stump the pole trivia questions. I will leave that, and you don't have to pick it out right now. But it, it's got to be it's got to be a, uh, a what do you call it? a Black Hawk. Uh, okay. Question. Okay. And how about just something simple? So it doesn't have to be dramatically crazy. Just about mm-hmm. who won the Consmite Trophy for the Chicago Blackhawks during what? this particular? Oh, uh, big dog! Big what, dog. Was that too easy? A little bit. A little bit. Let's make this is a commemorative Chicago Blackhawks Stanley Cup puck. Uh, puck. Uh, Robert Ibach will be here to talk about. But uh, please, I got a good one. I got a good. 
spell Nicholas Jalmerson's name. Now that's better. Okay. That's better. Okay. So that that's the question. Spell Nicholas Jalmerson's name. Okay. That's 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 close. And of course, with the internet these days, people could go right on that and do that. But uh, we'll 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 give one of those fine bucks away. So we got all that and more. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. The phone number. Feel free to jump in. Our producer David Olson. Uh, standing by waiting to take your phone calls. We'll get you right on. Two guys and a mic dog and a coach with you till 11 o'clock. We do it each and every weekday, five days a week, two, uh, one hour a day, five in toto. How about that goal, though, uh, scored this morning with the 30 seconds left in the match, Slovakia dominating the match, the uh, New Zealand team playing in their first World Cup. Big dog. First World Cup since 1956? 82. 82. Yes, because yeah. it's been 28. Close enough. First one in 28 years, and they barely they got behind one nothing, and they I, I don't know that they put a legitimate shot on goal. Arguably one of the most boring soccer games I ever saw, and then boom, 30 seconds left in the match, they get a cross, a head, a goal, and it's tied up. And the Slovakia fans and the players were in absolute shock. Yeah, it was a phenomenal pass, and the, the guy got the head in, and it went it. it Barely hit the post and went in. I have to admit, Coach, this was the first game that I was actually at home and not watched because I started watching and I fell asleep. I'm not yeah. saying it because it was boring. It's yes, just it was like boring. I'm, I'm totally exhausted. Mm-hmm. I'm watching the game. The next thing I know, I hear Cloudy running, Joel, Joel. He comes running down here, and, mm-hmm. and then he tells me what happened. I ran up that way. It was, it, what a great ending. and It was pretty cool to see the guys celebrate. But then again, I mean, you know, you're in the World Cup. You get a yellow card if you pull your jersey off. Are you just basically saying, hey, we're happy to have a draw? Yes. We scored our first goal ever yes, in World Cup play. It's... So let's basically put uh, the guy's a defenseman that uh, got the header in. Now he has a yellow card because he pulled his jersey off. Uh-huh. So basically, are you just saying we could care less if we win or lose future games? We're just happy that we scored a goal and got a point, our uh... first ever point. In World Cup play. The latter is definitely true. The former, I mean, they're not giving away their next couple games, but if you're asking me, were they happy? Were they elated to get the tie? You bet. <laughs> they absolutely were, especially when you score with 30 seconds left. I was not aware, so taking the jersey off, automatic yellow card. Yeah, and I'm not about to act like I'm all of a sudden some soccer expert and uh-huh. can figure out what the heck is going on. But... Uh, from what somebody said, they immediately were like, you know, he's a defenseman. Defensemen can get yellow cards just by being aggressive in, in an accident. Yep. yep. So, um, I, I just, I don't know. I just, it kind well, of. And, and the other thing, it's a great example. Here's a team, Slovakia, and this can apply to uh, any sports, and you can probably carry it over to uh, life in general, away from the sporting world, but who dominated the game, who got a soft lead, if you want to call it, one nothing lead, and got comfortable and really didn't stretch to put that second goal in. And it's a lesson, big dog, in life and in sports. You know, when, when it's time to go for the kill, when you got something put away, make sure you go for it because if you don't, if you play conservative, the shocker can happen. little thing like that, boom, the game ends out in the tie, even though Slovakia clearly was the better team and clearly dominated. Yeah, it, you know, that's, that's the one thing about about soccer that just bothers me a little bit. But then again, you know what? It happens in... in uh... In hockey all the time where a goalie can totally change a game, but there's a lot more shots in hockey than there are than there are in, in soccer. There's a lot of times in soccer where teams, you know, thoroughly control the ball and they get a lucky break. But you know what? That's part of it, isn't it? You know, somehow Brazil and Italy and Spain always seem to win, 
you know, so obviously there must be something to like styles and how they get it done. So. We are going to be uh, doing a top three rankings of the fandom, particularly the female fandom of the different countries. Big Dog, I don't know if you have your, it's early in the World Cup. This is like a one month uh, event, but do you have your top three, three, two, one, as far as the top fans, what country is uh, supporting their team in the most creative way? And maybe from a female perspective, what country is uh, given a three, two, one ranking? No, without question, I, I have to admit the, the the fans from Cameroon have been absolutely fantastic. Yes. Now, do you know those gigantic Harry Carey glasses that they have yeah. out there that people wear? I didn't know Harry Carey was big in Cameroon, but apparently he is. Well, they, Cameroon's colors are orange, yellow, and red, Coach. Wow. And all these extremely hefty Cameroon women <laughs> were all wearing like they're the the traditional garb. Uh-huh. Okay, and so. Imagine, like, you know, African garb and, you know, like, these elegant, like, crazy, you know, just, it, it wasn't like soccer stuff. And then all of them were wearing uh, yellow Harry Carey glasses. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it just looked pretty funny, Coach, to be honest with you. Like, not, I mean, not, a particularly, not a particularly good look, but it is creative. Yeah, it was, no, it was a great look. I mean, it looked like they could be going to a Cameroon wedding, <laughs> except for the fact they were wearing Harry Terry yellow glasses, all which right. was so it, those gigantic ones, you know what I'm talking about? Like, two people can put their heads inside of them. <laughs> I'm not sure I've ever seen ones that big, but nice description. All right, so the Cameroon fans, any other uh, fandom catch you the big dog's attention? I know you I know you uh, analyze different countries' fandoms. Well, uh, the Brazil women haven't come out yet. And let's just say the worst thing, the the bad thing about this part of the, of the World Cup is it's late fall in South Africa. Ah, what a shame. And let me, all I can tell you is the... The Brazilian and the South Korean women always try to outdo themselves by who has the least amount on at the World Cup. The Br- wait, and the Brazilian and the who? The South Korean women, ah. the Yashi. I did not know okay. there was a rivalry between the South Korean women and the Brazil women. Well, uh, there definitely is. Okay. They can be very catty, Coach. Okay. And, uh, so the Brazilian women wear a tendency to wear a lot of stuff that just is like beads mm-hmm. and that tends to cover specific areas. Yep. A lot of them do this. And they... And, uh, they did it in Germany. They definitely did it in South Korea. South Korea, they do the same thing. But I don't see any scantily dressed women here because, you know, they're in the other hemisphere. So while we're in late spring head into summer, mm-hmm. they're in a late fall headed to winter. Now, uh, David oh, Olson, it's, our, it's, our uh, meteorological expert, that is, I don't mean to question Big Dog, but that sounds, I thought everybody's season's the same. Coach, David, are David's you, are, are you being the, serious? No, no, please don't huh? tell me you. It's no, late. no, Big Dog's actually correct. You so got what? opposite seasons really? on opposite hemispheres, yes. How does that happen? Opposite <laughs> hemisphere. <laughs> because, okay, the, the now, now here's, here's, here's where I get my science cap out here. Ladies and gentlemen, meteorological uh, experts, two guys in a mic, David Olson. It's because of the axis of the Earth. Okay. Yeah. Because it's tilted, ah. and as it rotates, uh-huh. it tilts in the other direction. So, while we're closer to the sun, uh, while we're farther away from the sun during <laughs> summer, they're closer to the sun. Wow. So the days are shorter, so they get less sunlight. Like that, and that's why late it's fall winter. in South Africa. Correct. It's all about the turning of the axis. Exactly, ladies and gentlemen. For transcripts of today's show, or for to contact David Olson further, just email us at mike two guys at aol dot com. Any of your meteorological uh, questions can be answered. Yeah, coach, you yes, know, just be, you, know, you just because you didn't know. You know, geographically wise, you didn't know that Mexico was south of the border of the United States. I have no problem with that. Take it okay. easy. Okay, but you know, I understand you. You might be a geographically, but you didn't know that. That's that's a little disappointing. You know that in, in the southern <laughs> hemisphere, 
if you flush the toilet, the water goes down the different direction, right? Stop it, stop it, stop it. You know that, right? I do not. We're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna step back and you're gonna have to take like fifth grade social studies. We have, we have (laughs) two callers that want to get on with us, but very quickly, my final geographical question. The Ivory Coast is playing right now. Where exactly is? The Ivory Coast. Uh, Ivory Coast is an Africa coach, and okay. it is, and it borders uh, the Atlantic Ocean. Okay. So it's on the western side of Africa, and it's like right. just above the equator. Okay. And I, I got to tell you something: that is a country whose borders are continually uh, shifting and moving all the time. And so it's a coastal region, and it's pretty close to like Ghana. Uh, it's south of Cameroon. Right. Uh, it borders Ghana. So, so my guess of uh, my guess, I, I thought the Ivory Coast was the area separating northern Washington and the uh, province of Vancouver, Canada. That would be incorrect. Uh, they did move. You know, the, the, there the, there are plates on the planet, and, and it does shift. So I don't know if it took that long to get there. <laughs> Out to the full lines we go. Big dog and a coach. Two guys at a mic checking in line number forty six. It's Beachside. Mike checking in. Beachside. Hey guys, how's it going? Long time no talk to you. Oh man, Beachside it has been a long time. Everything uh, good with you in your life? Everything is great. Uh, I'm finally out of school. I got a week of vacation here and uh, I, I got an email today and I uh, punched you up and thank God I'm getting a geography lesson. <laughs> From Joel, not me by the way, if you're going to get a geography I, lesson. I, I have I, a geography question for you. I thought you had retired. You're still uh, teaching actively? I'm not teaching. I'm more of the uh, the bad guy. When you get in trouble, and you come into oh, my the dean. Uh, my scope. I'm not oh, a dean. <laughs> not a dean. Well, what are you? <laughs> I'm the uh, more of the security guy. Ah, all right. Well, Joel, back in your day, I knew. Um, I don't know if Joel knew the teachers very well, but at your school, Joel, you knew the security people and the deans by firsthand name. Oh, they that would they'd always be checking my locker and stuff. You know, with you, trying to find my that's amino that's, acids and stuff like that. It was brutal. That's, that's I worked I out a lot in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I have a geography question for you. Yes, sir. Okay. What is the only major city in the United States that looks south onto Canada? Ooh. Okay, are you talking about uh, it would have to it would have to be like Anchorage or Fairbanks in Alaska, right? Nope it's uh, it's uh, one of the forty eight. The original um, that looks down. South looks south. Right. On the, con- the country of Canada. I guess that would correct. be Detroit. You are correct. There you go. <laughs> or or in that part of Canada, it's known as Detroit. Detroit it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm ready to spell uh, Nicholas Halmerson for you because uh, I'm a big Blackhawk fan. All right. By the way, Big Dog, before asking the question, do you have the correct spelling? Uh, I was hoping David Olsen did. <laughs> All right. Give it a shot, Beachside Mike. You want the first name? Yeah. N-I-K-L-A-S. Okay. And the last? H-J-A-L-M-A-R-S-S-O-N. But I thought a tougher one would have been Dustin Bufflin. That would even be tougher. Yeah, that's uh, by Fuglin, that's pretty tough to, to, to spell big last name. Either or Bufflin or Jomers are, are pretty tough ones to get. So. Now, David Olson, can we confirm Nicholas with 1K or 2Ks? No, it's 1K. You got 1K. Right. All right. We got the silent H before the J. This is for the commemorative Chicago Blackhawk puck that uh, Robert Ibach is going to be talking about in a couple of minutes here on our show. All right. You know what I find kind of funny? The only guy on the team that's not making a million dollars a year 
is going to be signing autographs at Macy's. <laughs> what is that, Friday? Who is? The goalie, Uncle and, Miami. You know, yeah, he's gonna, I think he's going to be at Old Orchard tonight, like at 6 o'clock. Yeah. Yeah, could be interesting. I don't know if he speaks English, but uh, I'm sure he will smile and sign his name uh, quite well. Oh, no, he speaks excellent English, Coach. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he, he does. He's all right. He's okay. And uh, do you remember early in the season when we had a goaltender problem? Yes. <laughs> and we were ranked second in the league in goals against, and we had a goaltender problem. Yeah, I never, I never understood that. I, I, when people were ripping our, our goaltenders, uh, and, and don't forget, at one point, Niemi had the lowest goals against average in the league, and he was averaging a shutout every third start. And people were Correct. ripping on their, the Blackhawks goalies. So well, it was like once every seven or eight games, they'd give up five or six goals, and then everybody went nuts. Yeah, that, that's exactly what would happen, B-side, Mike, is um, they had like, it was like, it's like Freddie Garcia right now for the White Sox. You know, he pitches four awesome games, and on his fifth game, well, he gives up nine runs, and his ERA is like five, and everyone thinks he's bad. Well, I mean, I, he's I, been I, awesome. I may not be a geographical expert, but I think my sports uh, intuition may be slightly a little bit higher. Let me, let me go back a little bit. I think you guys are mischaracterizing it a little bit. I think when people were talking about the Blackhawks goalie, quote unquote problem, I think they realized, you know, Huey was not terrible. He was okay. And Anti Niemi showed potential. I think Beachside Mike, what the question was is if the Blackhawks want to win the Stanley Cup, do they have the goaltending that's going to carry him over the top? And to be frank and to be perfectly honest, back at that point I think it was a legitimate question. So people no, no, weren't that saying was the goal- a legitimate question, coach, but there was a lot of like idiot Blackhawk fans who wouldn't like Niemi would have one of those five goal games, would freak out yeah. and talk about how they had to go out and get a new goalie. It, it was it, it, like people were panicking. So yes, they were. Mm-hmm. Yes, they were. And yeah. I was not one of those people, but I did not like QA at all. Well, no, I, was, I definitely did not like QA, but I have to admit it's a little bit because he's French. Beside Mike, that's and, uh, exactly. <laughs> I agree, hundred percent. Six o'clock now, tonight at uh, Old Orchard Shopping Center, Beachside Mike. You can go over there and squeeze the large melon of an Anton Niemi. <laughs> I don't think so. He's, he's got a head. You just want to put in a headlock and give him a noogie, doesn't he, Joe? <laughs> that's exactly what Patrick Kane did after he scored the goal. Did you notice that? <laughs> when oh, during yeah. the celebration in Philadelphia, he ran up and, and like closed on Yemi and like put him in the headlock. And Yemi's like, get off me. The game isn't over yet. Yeah, and Yemi's looking down on the other side to make sure, in fact, the game was over. You're exactly right. All right. Well, Beatside, right. we got a special guest on the line. It's great to hear from you. And uh, I'm glad school's off so you got a little time to – Live up to your uh, moniker. I hope you will be beachside Mike this summer. I certainly will be. I'm about to grab the fishing pole and go out right now. I got a question for you, though. I've Uh-oh. got uh, Slovakia in the, my World Cup pool. Uh-oh. What happened? <laughs> what color are their jerseys, and have they played yet? Do you have any idea? Yeah, Slovakia played this morning. Did they? Yeah, and Slovakia they gave up a, a header goal. New yeah. Zealand had one shot on goal, and it went in, and he tied 1-1. Hey. Slovakia dominated play for 92 minutes and 32 seconds. And then um, uh, New Zealand scored a goal with 28 seconds left with the final scores 1-1. One to one. Yeah, before I let you go, did they, did they shoot the uh, the English goalkeeper's dog yet? Not yet. No, Not no, yet. no, no. But I guarantee if they don't get into the knockout round, that dog is dead. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, gar- the gardener has not been seen for a week, though, so there's concern there. <laughs> All right, guys, it's been good talking to you. Hey, don't be a stranger listening to the show, okay? I certainly will. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Beachside. Beachside uh, correctly spelling the Nicholas Jalmerson. Very, very impressive, Joel. Yeah, that is that is impressive, Coach.
I figured it would either take a diehard Blackhawks fan or somebody with uh, a very quick handheld uh, speed on their yeah, phone. I was going to say, you know, I mean, I, I know I put you on the spot, but weak, I got to say, weak trivia question. Well, I got to be honest with you, I, I, there's a lot of bandwagon Blackhawks fans. So, should I ask something like. Uh, well, no, just like, ask, ask something that can't be looked up on the internet in 28 seconds. What, the Con Smythe one, you mean? No, Nicholas Jomers. You could, you know, I want to give that puck away to a true diehard Hawks fan. Now, I think Beachside Mike is indeed that, but uh, any yeah. Yahoo could be listening to the show, look up Blackhawk Nicholas Jalmers, and boom, you got your spelling. Especially well, since they're on the internet to listen to the show anyway. Second yeah. What's that, Joe? Maybe Bob Ibach wants to give away a second puck, and I'll come up with a much better question, Coach. That's not up to Bob Ibach. It's up to our, uh, our stash. Here at JC Sports and Tees, so we might be able to do that. But speaking of Robert Eigelach, we mentioned he was coming on the show with a little uh, Blackhawk commemorative puck giveaway, and we welcome him into the phone lines right now. He joined us, oh, about a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, when the Hawks had visions of winning a Stanley Cup. We dreamed about it. We thought about it. Robert Eibach, welcome to the show. And the Blackhawk dreams did indeed come true. Were you rooting for him, I hope? Oh, I tell you what, it was it was great. I mean, you know, having lived in this city for almost thirty years, and you know, as you know, I was with the Cubs for ten of those years. Frustrating years. <laughs> in the eighties, we came close twice in eighty four and eighty nine. Um, Jay Blunk, who has done a great job with the Blackhawks, just a great job in their marketing area. He was my first intern mm-hmm. when I was with the Chicago Cubs. Jay worked for me and for uh, Ned Coletti, who's now the uh, he Ned was my assistant. Ned's now the uh, Dodgers general manager, and I was so happy. To see uh, him out in the parade the other day, along with John McDonough and some of the other guys, it was just a great celebration. I'm so happy that uh, somebody in the city finally went ahead and, and, and turned the corner and, and won something. We should mention, uh, when you say work for you, you worked for the Chicago Cubs back in the day. You were the publicity and marketing right, guy PR for our director. beloved Cup. Yeah, PR director. I also, uh, actually, some people call me the godfather of the Vine Line newspaper because really? I started it in 1985. I uh I, I handled all the publications. In those days, we did multiple jobs. I had PR, uh, and I also had to do all the publications, the souvenir programs and the first night game program at Wrigley Field that was put out. Our department did all that. And we did it with a four-man staff. Today, I laugh because down at Wrigley Field, they got four people just putting out the Vine Line and the souvenir programs, and they got another four people in the PR department. So we did the job of eight people with a, with four of us. <laughs> you, you know, Bob, I'm not trying to, you know, be nice to you so you give us extra pucks. But, uh, <laughs> you know, honestly, you... Okay, Joe, <laughs> go ahead. But <laughs> you, you took over uh, Wrigley Field, I mean, uh, the, the job with the Cubs. Back, you know, in the late 70s, before Harry Carey got there in 1980-81, there were right. legitimately 4,000, 5,000 people going to Cub games if it wasn't a big game. Joe, and you're absolutely like, you're absolutely right. And you know what? One of the things that people forget, and they give Harry Carey a little bit too much credit for this, because I remember in 82 and 83 seasons when Lee Lee was our manager. Of course, the famous tirade came in uh, in April of uh, 83. But we would have crowds in April and in September. It was embarrassing. I'll tell you one quick story before we go on and talk about the Blackhawk uh, championship pucks, because I know people who are going to want to get these, and you may want to grab a piece of paper and a pen. I'll give out a toll-free number in a minute but let me tell you one quick story about the cubs in those days willie stargell we were having a special willie stargell day at the end of september i think it was 82 the last season he played we're gonna have a tribute so i had to bring the i had to bring the uh, microphone on the field before the game 
uh, and I was going to do the emceeing right behind home plate, and Willie was going to address the crowd. Well, we had about 4,000 or 5,000 fans that day. <clears throat> they were all spread out along the lower deck. Nobody was in the upper deck. It was closed. And uh, so <clears throat> Willie gets behind the microphone, and all of a sudden he looks at me and says, Bob, let me wave these people in because everybody should come behind home plate so they can hear me. So he takes his two hands and waves the fans in from the left field and the right field uh, lower grandstands. They all come in behind home plate between the dugouts and take seats there. Now, he gives his little address, and when it's over, of course, what are the, what are the fans going to do? They're going to sit right there. Mm-hmm. They won't move. So now we got everybody in the ballpark between the dugouts behind home plate, all 4,000 of them, and I get upstairs to the press box, and I get a call from Arnie Harris because the game's on the WGN television. And Arnie's screaming at me. He said, Bob, I can't show any camera shots today because there's nobody in the in the stands down the left and right field lines. He says, can you go down there and move them back? I said, yeah, I'm not going to be the guy telling these guys that Willie invited them behind home plate. Now they got to move back down the left field and right field line. <laughs> so that whole game, WGN had to show these really tight shots. If a foul ball went into the into the stands down the left field or right field line, you never saw it. It just it stayed right on the pitcher. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's how bad it was. Now eighty four we caught we caught the lightning in a bottle with Sandberg, the great game against Suter in, in June, and we were off and running and everybody jumped on the bandwagon then and, and from that point on, that's when Wrigley Field started started uh selling. So I always yeah. give a tip of the hat to, to Sandberg and, and Sutcliffe and the guys that did it during the 84 season. Not to say that Harry Carey didn't, didn't go ahead and kind of accelerate things, but you've got to remember, as Milo Hamilton used to remind people, and I wrote a book with Milo about this in two chapters where he pretty much leveled Harry in the in yes, book. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He said, you know what, Harry, if you came out here on a Wednesday and we weren't playing a ball game and you sang, take me out to the ball game in the seventh inning, how many people you think would come to Wrigley Field just to hear you sing that day? And uh, it was an interesting conversation, and I know <laughs> Harry Harry had a few choice words, but the, my point is Harry Carey was part of the whole phenomena. He did a great job when he was there, but he wasn't the reason, as some people point out, why the Cubs started drawing all those fans. It, it, but it does show that you can flip, because in 85 and since, the Cubs have drawn $2 million a year ever since. Yep. And I'm not kidding you, Bob. I went to a Nashville Predator Chicago Blackhawk game in 2004 that only had they they announced the attendance at like 3,800, and I swear to you, there were 500 people in the arena. I mean, yeah. at the was, most, there was 500 people in the arena. Was Willie Stargell there, and did he bring the fans down front and center? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, but I always remember that story, and I'll tell you what: it's so nice to see the Blackhawks because I know they came down. Before um, uh, Rocky Wirtz got got the idea of putting the games on TV and and regenerating them with McDonough and Jay, they've done a great job, and I was so tickled to see it culminate in winning the Stanley Cup and bringing that cup back here. And for the folks listening to the show today, uh, we've got something really special, and there's only about uh, a thousand of these left. We made five thousand of these hockey puck sets. There's two hockey pucks that come with uh, really nice display cases. It's conveniently priced. I think it's real cool. It's thirty nine ninety five. We did it really low so that everybody could afford to get a couple of these sets. It benefits the Make-A-Wish Foundation of Illinois, and we're hoping to get about 10 wishes granted for these kids who have life-threatening medical conditions. And what we did on these hockey pucks, one puck salutes 
The Stanley Cup victory includes all four of the Hawks Stanley Cup titles printed right there in laser. It's got Stanley Cup champions on one side of the puck. It's got the official Blackhawks colorful logo, that Indian logo right there that stands out. These are official hockey pucks made by Sherwood Hockey, the same ones that were used in the Stanley Cup games. The second puck salutes the 2009-2010 season, and what we've done there, we, we list the results of each of the series played so that you'll be able to go back and know what the road was to the Stanley Cup, and we list, of course, the big victory over Philadelphia, all the games there. So it's really a very nice-looking puck set. You get both of them with display cases, thirty-nine ninety-five, and most importantly, it's going to help get some wishes granted for some kids in Illinois who have some life-threatening medical conditions. Now, again, only 5,000 made. We've got probably about 1,000 of them left, so these are these will sell out within a couple days from now. Mm-hmm. If you want to get a really nice item for a Father's Day gift or graduation, there's a toll-free number you can call today to order these. It's 1-800-345-2868. And again, that's 1-800-345-2868. Or you can go right to the website if you can't get through the phone lines, because I know they'll be busy. It's www.nicosports.com, and you spell that N-I-K-C-O-Sports.com. And, uh, again, each one of these comes with a certificate of authenticity, and uh, it's really a cool item. And the other thing, uh, John and, and Joel, when you look on the site, and if you're a baseball fan, we just announced this too. You can get a couple of these, and there's only about 400 of these left. Uh, Steven Strasburg had his debut for the uh, for the Washington Nationals on June the 8th, and that was the day he uh, struck out 14. Well, we have a plaque, a photo plaque with that picture from his first game. We got Major League Baseball to give us uh, the supervision to go down on the field before the game and get some dirt from the pitching mound, which we put into a little capsule inside this uh, framed and double-matted photograph right Mm -hmm. to the right of it, along with a replica of his 2009 uh, draft day card. The very first plaque has been given to Steven Strasburg. The rest are being sold, again, to help out the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And uh, we have uh, only 2,010 of those that were made. Those things have been flying off the shelf. Uh, we got less than 400 of those. So if you're a baseball fan and you want to get something very historic, and this kid could turn out to be something extra special in time, uh, you can call again that 800 number, which is 800-345-2868. Mm-hmm. And those are 89.95. And you can go to the same website at nikosports.com. Wow. N-I-K. Cosports.com. The Strasburg is 89.95, and the Hawks championship yeah. uh, is only 39.95. Right. That's interesting. And those are both great items. I mean, if you're scrambling around looking for a Father's Day gift or uh, something for a golf outing this summer that you can Mm -hmm. use as a silent auction item, uh, these are beautiful, beautiful items. And I think they're very, uh, uh, they're priced at a low price that you can get something like this. I know this plaque, for instance, with Strasburg, uh, you look down the road, John, uh, you get this, that, and I can see this thing going for 500 bucks in a couple years if this kid turns out to be the real deal. Coach, Bob is exactly right. If the, kid, if the kid stays healthy, he at worst will yeah. be the best pitcher in baseball I, I, for a couple of years at worst. Well, my son is a scout for the Florida Marlins, and he's seen him pitch in the minor leagues a few times already this year. And Kevin told me, I asked him, I said, hey, point blank, no BS. Is this guy good? He says, Dad, 
He's, he's, he throws 97 to 100, and he can he can throw at least 20 to 30 pitches that hit that velocity during the game. And he says, when you can break off a curveball between 79 and 81 and mix it with that kind of velocity on your on your fastball, he said, you know what? You you got a you got a heck of a chance to win a lot of games. Understood, but I'm still as a Chicago sports fan insulted that the Strasburg thing's going for sixty dollars more than the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> well, well, coach, yeah, okay, it's fifty dollars more, but they only made twenty one hundred as opposed to five thousand. And yeah, to, and the other no thing, joke. the other thing, John, is you know what? The reason we kept that thing so low for <laughs> Hawk fans because we know that you know yep. when you buy, we got people out there buying. You know, twos and threes. When we, when we get the calls from the Hawk fans, mm-hmm. they're not just buying one set of pucks. They got one for dad and one for their friend, and uh, that's how yeah, they've been. Well, that's I, how they've been shopped. Thirty nine ninety five. I might want to uh, warn our listeners: you better dial up before the end of this show because about five minutes after the show, between me and Joel, there might not be too many of those thousand left. I might snarf up a couple of hundred myself. Oh, and by the way, it, we it, you know me and Joel are still using these. Say, I think. The same two microphones as when we started this show. So, Bob, if you uh, ever want to do a promotion, a nice little glass-enclosed uh, plaque memorial with the two microphones that me and the big dog have the used. limited I can, edition microphones. I can huh? dig up some of the original coffee grounds that we worked and you know, drinking our very first coffee. <laughs> it might be a nice gift for uh, maybe next year's Christmas. Uh, I tell you what, that would be a, that would be a true collector's item, wouldn't yes. it? You and, you and Les Grobstein. Grobstein still has the microphone he told me that he, when he interviewed Lee Ilya on the day of the tirade really? in 1983 which is where I was that day I was the PR director what a nightmare uh-huh. he still has the microphone from that day wow but if you think about it attendance really shot up after the tirade <laughs> I know it took hey. about a year but that had to have something to do with it because it well, took about you know, a year Ilya for that told to leak me out Bob a couple you know, of years it was about ago a year before everybody else had heard it you know what I mean yeah so that might you know, actually everyone you're talking about we, I said Harry you said Sandberg. It might have been. Uh, it might have been Lee Elia. Well, you know, I talked to Lee about that when we had a little 25th anniversary two years ago on the tirade. He came back and he did a, uh, an item that uh, brought in funds for prostate cancer, which was something he was battling. And he came back here. We had a big press conference down at Harry Carey's restaurant, and and it was a great day. Lee went around to all the TV stations and radio and so forth that day. And and you know, he uh, he told me a story about. That fifteen percent of the world that he said was working for, or not working for a living, that come yeah. out to Wrigley Field, and he said, "You know what? Here's what I screwed up doing." He said, "What happened?" And, and very pe- few people know this. After the game that day, Larry Boa and Keith Moreland were walking down the third baseline uh, to go after we lost a tough game. Lee Smith had, uh, had uh, airmailed a wild pitch in to lose to the Dodgers. I think it was two to one. No, there's no way he never blew a save. What's that? Lee Smith never blew a save. Yeah, it wasn't a, <laughs> not that day. But you know, in the old days, okay. remember the locker room was down the left field line, all the way in the corner. So you had to walk all the way down there. Well, Bowen and Moreland were walking by the bullpen, where the bullpen area is, and there was about twenty or so fans, fifteen to twenty fans down there that threw paper cups full of beer at them. Well, Moreland and Bowen jumped the tarp, and into the stands they were. They're going to pummel these guys. Ely was right behind them. And he had to pull the two guys off. So now they get security, and uh, now they get them back on the field. They're all walking into the locker room, and a couple of the reporters from Los Angeles and Chicago were in there. There's only about five or six people. And somebody started off the press conference. It was in a real cramped little manager's office they had back then, asking Lee, well, you know, you're off to a 5-13 and start. You think the Cub fans are really behind you still? Can they still stay here? 
Well, Ilya remembered what he had just witnessed in the in the uh, lower grandstands about the beer, and he started popping off about, and, and he went on to say that 85% of the world works for a living and the other 15% come out here. What he meant to say, he told me years later, was that those 15 people come out here, and he was, instead of saying 15, 15 people, he said 15%. And he, he, he said to me later on, he said, you know what, I never was really good in, in high school in math. And he <laughs> says, I got 15 and 15% kind of mixed up in the emotion. And he says, I indicted half of Chicago by saying that. <laughs> oh, that's a true goodness. story that's probably never, ever been out there. I mean, people don't know what ignited that whole thing. Uh, it, it wasn't anything other than the fact that it was the beer thrown on those two guys and he, and he didn't have a cooling off period, and he's in there, and he got the microphone stuck in front of him. Some L.A. reporter asked him about the Cub fans, and uh, he went off. It was still and one of the it, great it lives in infamy. One of the great meltdowns, uh, one of the great oh. tirades all time, and uh, not just baseball, but in the world of sports. I think. I think it's number throw, one. If you're going to throw some beer at a 1983 Cub, you don't throw it at Boa or Moreland. First of all, Boa is a hothead, and and Keith Moreland will whoop your butt. I mean, don't you throw it at like Steve Trout or Warren Brewster or something like that? Those guys aren't going to come up in the stands. I mean, Steve Trout for another beer. Oh, uh, I remember the guys we had in the staff back in those years: Mike Proley and 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 what was Doug Bird, and and we had guys. I mean, one time Junior we were on Kennedy. a seven or eight game losing streak coming out of Philadelphia, and 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 Ilya called the team garbage. And so we show up on the plane the next day to fly out of Philadelphia. And you know what the guys did? They put garbage bags over their head, glad bags over their head when they walked on the plane. Oh, goodness. <laughs> he, he said to Lee, they said, listen, coach, he says, if you're going to call us garbage, we are going to be garbage. Oh, nice, nice to see the team chemistry was alive and well back in, uh, uh, what year was that, 1983? What I lived through, I had, a, I had a time when I was out in San Francisco I won't name the pitcher because I don't want to go ahead and make that public, but we had a pitcher that we couldn't find in San Francisco, and he was supposed to pitch at a 12 o'clock <laughs> noon start. Yeah. So they sent me back to the hotel to look for this guy, and I get security. We go up to the hotel room, open the door, and sure enough, there he was standing up in a closet, gagged with duct tape on his on, over his mouth, behind his back, his hands were tied, and his ankles. I thought he got robbed. Well, it turns out his wife beat him up, and I bring him to the ballpark in the cab, and Lee Ilya looks over at me, and he says, where'd you find him? I said, well, Skip, he, I said, he was, in the, he was in the closet, all duct tape like a mummy. He must have stood up all night long. Lee didn't miss a beat. He looked over at me. He says, hey, how's his right arm look? And I said, I think it looks okay. He says, good. He's still starting. Well, we sent that pitcher out to face the Giants that day at Candlestick Park. And I walked up to Ned Coletti, my assistant, and I said, Ned, you're not going to believe this guy's been standing up in a closet all night long, duct taped, and Lee's throwing him out there. I said, you ever had some money to bet? Bet the house against the Cubs today. Well, sure enough, he gave up seven <laughs> runs in the first two innings. Ilya took him out of the game in the third. We were down 9-1. to one. It's, almost, <laughs> it's almost good that he pitched bad because if he would have had a good outing, then you know Lee Ely oh. would have said, hey, closet that- standing up, duct tack for everyone. It's a new pitching hey. technique. Yeah. Was that it, was a, it was a strange year. We remember Dickie Knowles. Who yeah. could forget? Dickie got beaten up one night in Cincinnati by a. He, he hit a underclothes of cop in a restroom. Didn't know it was a cop, and they beat him to a pulp. It brought him down to the jail. Billy Connors and me and Dallas Green and John Cox, our assistant general manager, we go down to look at him at about two o'clock in the morning, 
and he's laying on the pri- he's laying on the uh, on the uh, uh, prison inside the jail, and he's on the floor, sound asleep. And uh, we were going to bail him out. Connors wanted to bail him out, and Dallas looked at Connors and said, "No, he's starting the next day. Let's leave him here. We'll come back at eight o'clock in the morning. At least that way, we know we will be all night long." Oh, so we, bring, we pick him up at eight in the morning. He goes out and throws a three hitter against Cincinnati that day, and we win the game. <laughs> he had a little bit of a drinking problem. That was that was well known, Coach. He was the only player in Major League history he traded for himself. The Cubs oh, he... traded him to Philadelphia for a player to be named later, and after he hit for Philly, they sent him back to Chicago. <laughs> he, was he was the player, was the player to, be to be named later. later huh? his own trade. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the the things that happened when I was Cub PR director there were just we we couldn't find Jay Johnstone one day at the ballpark. And it turned out Ned Coletti and I had written a book called Cub Fan Mania, a paperback book that sold for five bucks. Well, Jay went ahead and bought 5,000 of these and had them shipped to Wrigley Field. And he would go out during batting practice, autograph them, and mark them up to $10 and sell them in the bleachers. <laughs> well, we're playing the Dodgers one day, and John Stone, we couldn't find him. I get a call from Ely up in the press box. He says, I need, I need a pinch hitter. He says, I'm looking for John Stone. You know what happened? I said, Skip, I'm up in the press box. I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he's sick. He's back in the clubhouse. So I call Yosh Kawano, and I looked out with a pair of binoculars, and there was Jay in the seventh inning <laughs> in Wrigley Field along the catwalk, <laughs> signing the book. And uh, I called Yosh and said, Yosh, get him out of here. Bring him out. And Jay comes running down the field about five minutes later with a bat in his hand, hits a two-run double. We beat the Dodgers. <laughs> Twenty-five years later, I told Ilya, because I told him then, I said, well, Jay was sick. He was back in the bathroom. I kind of protect him. I couldn't tell him what we really was doing. Please tell me you bribe Johnstone and tell him to get, at least give me a cut, like a hundred bucks or something like that. <laughs> I told I told Lee twenty five years later the true story. I said, you know what? That remember that day you're looking for Johnstone? Well, he was in the bleacher selling my book, <laughs> making ten dollars profit per signing. Right? We could, yeah, we couldn't uh... find him one time in Dodger Stadium, and he was out there. He went to bullpen, got hungry. And uh, asked him to go uh, into the concourse in full uniform. He stood in line and bought about ten Dodger dogs and brought them back and gave them to the bullpen to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Who has cash on their uniform? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine waiting in line and there's there's one of the ball players in full uniform waiting in line in front of you and and, and hold the mustard, please, on those ten. Yeah, yeah, and he was a Dodger. He had just yeah. played with the Dodgers in 1981, so people wouldn't be like, "Oh, look at this idiot dressed up as a Cub." Uh, they would actually Tommy, think to themselves, you know, this "Tommy Lasorda." Tommy Lasorda, Joel used to tell me a story. Tommy got tied up in spring training one year in Vero Beach, and and uh, he he had, Lasorda had asked Jay to do something to give give the Cub a little bit of a boost from an enthusiastic point because I guess there was a lull in spring training. So Jay one night decided to uh, he locked the doors. Tied it from the outside, and they and they uh, took the the inside of the phone out of uh, of, of Lasorda's phone, so that when it he couldn't get a wake up call in the morning, so he overslept, and he went to go ahead and get in the uh, uh, and the phone wouldn't ring. So there's the bus getting ready to go to an exhibition game. Well, there's Lasorda trying to get out of the room. He couldn't get outside the door, and here was Tommy. He had to go ahead and and go out the window of his hotel room, and he fell. And he was on the, fortunately he was on the ground floor. He gets into the bus just in time, and the players are saying, "Well, hey, Skip, what's the matter? Did you oversleep?" And he knew John Stone had played the prank on him. So uh, on the way back from after the exhibition game, they uh, they stole Jay's pants and made him come back pantless. 
<laughs> I think you got the makings of another book here, Bob. And oh, I tell you what, if I could write some of these stories and name names, yeah. there were some things that went on at Wrigley Field that uh, would would light some eyes up. The title you got, I've already got the title. You won't believe this, and then you know the scripture <laughs> underneath behind the scenes well, you know, with speaking, XPR speaking, director Robert Ibach. Speaking of books, uh, John. Uh, I know coming up in about a month, we're going to try to get you on with a special guest. Uh-oh. Uh, this is a book that's coming out. Uh, they're going to have a big outing at Harry Carey's Restaurant on uh, July the 12th. It's written by a former Cardinals outfielder, Andy Van Slyke, and it will detail how the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. Of course, it's a fictional book. Oh, so it's not like a how-to? Uh, this is how no, the Cubs go? No, no, this not is... a how-to, but I'll tell okay. you what. I've been reading it, and I'm through about halfway through the book right now. It's amazing. It's a fantastic read. And any Cub fan who ever wants to know what it's like to win the World Series will mm-hmm. want to get this book because it may be the only way you win it. Don't you think it might be painful, though? You read the book and you start to get caught up in it. You celebrate the, unfortunately, fictional story of the Cubs winning the championship, and then you put down the book and you realize, oh, boy, no, yeah, that was... You know, okay. That was only fiction, so it could be. And, and how ironic that it's written by Andy Van Slyke, who Big Dog, uh, over the years, one of the greatest cub killers of all, oh, I was know. the great well, bad of an Andy Van Slyke. I told well, you the other day, it takes, a, it takes a cardinal to get a Cubs fan into heaven. He killed him when he was with the <laughs> So true, but uh, even when he was with, who did he start with, the Pirates? The, well, he was with the Cardinals, he, then he went to the Pirates. He, he killed them no matter where he was Yes, he, he did. Yeah. I remember as a, pi- a pirate, he used to kill the Cubs. All right, so we'll look forward to that. That's breaking out in uh, July. All right, and we'll do that with you guys in July when Andy's in town, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, uh, we've got, uh, we'll have a big crowd down at Harry's that day. We're mm-hmm. trying to get Billy Williams, Andy Pasco. I think he's probably the last Cub from the 45 World Series team. Yeah, he and, was a uh, great, great player, too. Yeah, Dutchie Carey's going to be there, and uh, Tom Arnold wrote a uh, a really nice forward for the book. It's going to be fun. It's going to be it's a really engaging book. It's a great summertime read when you're at the beach. Or Any pictures of Jim If you're Belushi. watching a Cubs game and you really don't want to see what you're watching, you can read the book. <laughs> All right, there's not a forward by Jim Belushi, you, is there? I, should, I would have got that book finished already if I had it this season. <laughs> uh, it's been a, it's been a wild show watching those guys play at Wrigley Field this year, hasn't it? Oh, oh my goodness! They, I mean, at least we know. You know, normally they figure out ways to lose. This year is pretty simple. They don't hit in the clutch, and they don't move runners over whatsoever. And if uh, it oh. isn't Marshall or Marmol, the relievers getting destroyed. It That's looks like a, whole... it looks like a dead team. When you lose fifteen games already this year on, by by uh, one run, you know it's going to be a long season. You, it's pretty hard to turn that thing around. And they're kind of a station to station team. Although they got some players in that team that I like. I like this kid Castro, and. Uh, you know, I like I like the outfielder they brought up. Uh, what's his name? The uh, the, the guy they put, yeah, Colvin. I like him a lot. So you know, I I still think they had the nucleus of of being able to do something, and they they could, they're only seven and a half out. I mean, I don't think the Cardinals are a lock for anything the way they play. Although they with Wainwright and and uh, uh, the Carpenter, it's a tough combo. They don't gonna have, they're not gonna have long losing streaks with those two to those two pitchers. I do. I hate to say this, Bob, but I do think that the Cubs' season this year will—it'll take them a miracle in order to win a division. But I, you're talking about that bringing up some young players. For 20 years, the Cubs didn't have. I'm very rarely, it was like once out of every three years, that they bring up a player that was any good out of their minor league system. And over yeah. the last couple of years, they've finally been producing players. So maybe the organization as a whole is finally waking up, and they're not going to have to sign players in order for them to be good. They can actually bring players up to be good. So yeah. 
Hey, listen, guys, I've got one question. I know I've got to run in a second here, but I've got one question for you. What do you guys think of the, the, uh, the Toyota sign out there in the outfield? Uh, personally, I have zero problem with it, Bob. I want Wrigley Field to be viable forever. And if that means they have to figure out ways to make money in order to pay Aramis Ramirez's $14 million a year contract so he can drive in 21 runs by the All-Star break, then that's what they're going to have to do. I want that park there forever. So if they have to figure out new ways to make money, let them do it, as far as yeah. I can. I, I, w- I would have a different take. I haven't seen it in person, just the picture in the paper. It looked pretty obnoxious, and I would rather uh, keep some of the beauty of Wrigley Field, stop spending millions and millions of dollars on overpaid veterans. I'd rather go with the youngsters, don't overpay, and you know I'm not Mr. Pristine, but keep Wrigley Field at least somewhat functionally like the Wrigley Field we love. Enough with the overpaid veterans. I'll take the youngsters that are hungry to win, Bob. If the I Cubs... agree. Hey, Coach, we you know what I heard, too, that some, some of the fans out there, I guess that I guess that sign lights up, and they're taking some of their beer and they're throwing it, hoping to short, short it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's called alcohol abuse, Bob. No, that, that, that's what's called boring team, and you got to pay your I, attention elsewhere. I can see. If you, know, if you see smoke signals coming out of left field, yeah. Some game, you'll know exactly what happened. They started throwing beer on the on the on the on the sign and, and, and shorted it out. You know, come to think of it, there was a guy who looked a little bit like Jay Johnston with a screwdriver sitting a couple of rows away from it. So you never know, he might <laughs> come back. Be throwing Pepsi's, but that high fructose corn syrup is a lot stickier to probably work a little bit better. Uh, All right. Well, listen, hey guys, thanks so much for having me on today. I certainly hope everybody gets behind these uh, these uh, the double puck sets for the Blackhawks. It's really a nice tribute to them. Great season. And it helps out a great cause with the Make a Wish Foundation. And uh, for thirty nine ninety five, I think you know it's a great item to have on your shelf at home or uh, in the office to showcase what a tremendous, tremendous effort these guys put forth. And call up the number eight hundred three four five twenty eight sixty eight to get those. You better get them quick because as soon as the show is over, me and the big dog are going to snarf up a couple of hundred of them. And the website also uh, Nico N I K C O Sports dot. Hey, Bob, we appreciate it as always. We'll look forward to, in a month or so, talking about that book where the Cubs win the World Series. Hey, absolutely. You guys have a great day. It's always a pleasure. All right, thank Back you, Bob. Bob. Have a good one. Bye-bye now. Uh, one of our favorite guys here on the show, the XPR director, always full of stories and enthusiasm, still has great love of the game. Uh, Joe Radwanski, Robert Ibach, Bob Ibach, and boy, thirty nine ninety five for that. Ho- two pucks, right? Yeah, I, I know he's selling the Hawks stuff, but I can listen to his Chicago Cubs stories yes. forever. He has so many behind-the-scenes yep. stories. Those things, the stuff with uh, John Stone and Dickie Knowles. Yeah. And I think I know who the pitcher is. I'm actually going to go on BaseballReference.com when I get off, and I'm going to figure out what pitcher was tied up in the closet. <laughs> who would have thunk 27 years later Greg Maddox would be in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> you notice when I said Steve Trout, he actually came up with that story, Coach. Interesting. Just wonder. Interesting. No, I, I doubt it was Steve Trout, but we'll, I'm going to find that out. Is a hint. And by the way, those are only the stories he's relating to us over the air. I think if we uh, pop a beverage or two with a Robert Ibach off the airwaves, Big Doe, we get a few more stories of a rather humorous nature. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Just, just taking a wild guess. All right, 888-463-6748, the phone number. Two guys at a Mike Big Dog final concluding thoughts. The uh, Cubs and Sox back in action today. The Cubs taking on a rare matchup huh, with the Oakland A's. Yeah, I, I know they've played before. I can't remember when, though, Coach. Carlos Zambrano going up against Trevor Cahill. Real quick, uh, Ron Sano, tell the Cub fans a little bit about Oakland pitcher Trevor Cahill. Uh, well, Patrick, uh, he uh, likes to work quickly. He uh, uh, 
likes to keep the ball down in the zone, and uh, he likes to keep hitters off balance. Does he like to get ahead in the count? Oh, he loves to pitch ahead in the count. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he loves to pitch ahead in the count. Thank you very much. I thought so. Uh, any other uh, final comments, Big Dog? I know you've been World Cup entrenched. Uh, we apologize for breaking your World Cup buzz. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, just everybody go to uh, blackandbluecity.com, become a fan. Uh, go to Facebook, become a fan. Please do it. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's a tenuous situation we're going right now. WCIU wants to pick us up, but we need a little bit more uh, groundswell support, Coach, if you know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. We will do the best we can here on the show. Finally, when we... Uh, talk uh you will not be here tomorrow when we talk thursday big dog are we going to be talking about game seven or do the celtics knock off the laker tonight i'm sticking with my prediction at the beginning of the series the teams will flip flop wins nobody will get more than a two-game lead which means it will definitely go to seven there it is. lakers win game six it will be a uh Celtics will win in seven but not in six there it is the big dog bringing it to you joel we'll talk to you on thursday have a great day off we appreciate everybody listening out there we'll be back at you tomorrow at 10 o'clock TalkZone.com, two guys at a mic, signing off. Have a great day, everybody.